0: This is Binghamton now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and wnbf.com Where news breaks first News Radio 1290 WNBF Here's Kathy
1: White
2: Good morning it's 9:04 We've had a little fog. We've had a few clouds. The National Weather Service forecast for today is calling for a mostly sunny day today with a high near 80, currently 59 in Binghamton. Meanwhile, a cold front is expected to head this way. The National Weather Service office in Binghamton putting out a hazardous weather outlook this morning saying that there could be this cold front going through this evening into tonight, and that could be accompanied by thunderstorms that could produce strong to severe wind gusts among, with heavy downpours. New York State Police are investigating a fatal crash in Otsego County. Authorities say they were called to a report of a serious one-vehicle crash on County Highway 7 in Otsego, in uh, Otigo, the town of Otigo, on Monday the troopers arriving on the scene found that the car had left the road and crashed into a tree. Troopers say 45-year-old Jennifer Thayer of Otigo was alone in the Hyundai that was traveling north on the county road when she drove off the pavement. Thayer was transported to OA Fox Hospital in Oneonta where she was pronounced dead. WNBF news time. It's 9.05 The New York State Comptroller is criticizing the Binghamton Housing Authority in a recent audit. Citing a lack of oversight of financial operations. The study reports the board and director did not adopt written policy and develop proper internal controls over cash disbursements and electronic payments. Controller Thomas DiNapoli's office says as a result of the lack of oversight, job duties were not properly separated for rent receipts and cash disbursements. The audit says the payments totaling about $152,000 were not approved by anyone other than the employee initiating the charge. The report says all 9 users had access to all the financial modules in the system. The audit found errors or irregularities could occur without detection and go uncorrected. The report did not indicate that there had been any inappropriate transactions. The controller's office recommended the development of internal controls and separate job duties or implement compensating controls. The controller's office as the housing authority officials generally agreed with the recommendations and have taken corrective action. The Binghamton Housing Authority is made up by a seven-member board with five commissioners appointed by the mayor's office and two elected by tenants. The BHA operates three low-income housing complexes in the city. WMBF Newstime 907. Well, it turns out Binghamton University is not just a good place for getting an education, as evidenced by its appearance over the years on numerous top 100 listings, but it's also a pretty nice place to work. BU has been recognized by Forbes as one of America's best employers by state, placing 52nd on the list and 9th overall in its industry. According to a news release put out by the Binghamton University, the survey by Forbes allowed 70,000 employees to anonymously participate and provide honest feedback on businesses and employ at least 500 people. The survey was not just educational institutions, but involved various industries. The campus continues to grab headlines through the work of its resident Nobel Prize-winning professor, chemist Dr. Stanley Whittingham, and his work in developing technology surrounding battery storage systems. In other Forbes rankings, Binghamton University in 2019 placed 38th best value institution in the country. BU also ranked higher than any other SUNY school on the Forbes 2022 America's Top Colleges as 65th. Forbes ranks Binghamton University at 22nd in the country for public universities. For information on employment operations opportunities at Binghamton University, you can visit the Human Resources page at www.binghamton.edu. Even though the Democrats seem confused over President Joe Biden's telling CBS's 60 Minutes this weekend that the COVID pandemic is over, Senate Majority Leader New York Democrat Charles Schumer criticized the remarks from the floor of the Senate. He says calling the crisis over will jeopardize funding to address the impact of the pandemic that is being fought by Republicans. The Biden administration is looking for more than $22 billion in federal COVID response funding in an upcoming budget bill. Following the President's interview that aired this past Sunday, the White House has been downplaying the remarks, saying the President was attempting to highlight the success in beating the virus with widely available vaccines and treatments. Meanwhile, Another New York representative to Washington, Utica politician, Republican, Claudia Tenney, wrote a letter to the president president urging him to end the COVID-19 public health emergency declaration that's been in effect since the beginning of 2020. WMBF, Newstime, 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast mostly sunny today, a high near 80. Tonight... A 60% chance of showers and thunderstorms, mostly cloudy. A low in the upper 50s. Tomorrow, a 60% chance of showers, mostly cloudy. A high in the low to mid 60s. Winds could be increasing to around 13 miles per hour in the morning. Friday. A slight chance of showers, mostly sunny, a high in the upper 50s. Saturday, mostly sunny, a high in the mid-60s. And Sunday, partly sunny, a 40% chance of afternoon showers and a high near 70. Currently, it's 59 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. (laughs)
0: I'm Bob Joseph. Good morning. Today is Wednesday, and this is how it begins. 607-772-1290. As we take to the air, there's good news for America today. Gas prices continue to average below $4 a gallon. Gas prices now much lower than they were just a few months ago, and American consumers Applied. If you want to talk about gas prices or almost anything else, give us a call 607-772-1290 or send an email to bob at wnbf.com. In addition to gas prices being down, Malamars are now available to the North American viewing audience. The candy, candy cookie that made America great. Pick up your brightly colored boxes of Malamars now. Get them while you can. Participating retailers. Yeah, I just got my first box of the Malamars. I think it's still 18 ounces. I give the Mondelez people plenty of credit for keeping the boxes big. And uh, of course, they're bursting with flavor. Every, every uh, autumn, we look forward to the return of the Malamars. Of course, impossible for them to be made in the United States. They always must be imported from Canada. So we thank our friends north of the border for continuing to produce the Malamar cookies that we so richly deserve. I know you're saying, Bob, what is the Malamar cookie? Well, go to your participating retailer and find out. They're available at um, reasonable prices. So if you want a reasonably priced cookie, the best cookie that uh, we've had since 1913. They've been producing these delights for 109 years. I think Frank Sinatra wrote a song about it. The thing about Malamars and Frank Sinatra, they were both born in Hoboken, although I believe Old Blue Eyes was born in Hoboken and the Malamar Cookie was born in West (sighs) Hoboken. John from Binghamton, good morning
1: yeah that guy was pretty interesting guy that Frank Sinatra
0: he was um, I, can, can you imagine how tough his life would have been though if he wound up being born with brown eyes no he'd yeah, have no hope but blue eyes that was part of the branding and it worked
1: well he's actually one guy that 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 the older Sinatra you know looked better than the, new, the younger Sinatra. I mean, the younger Sinatra sort of looked like, you know, sort of creepy, you know.
0: Yes, he, you're right. Some people actually do improve with age in terms of appearance. I mean, most of us always improve with age in terms of our uh, temperament, typically. Uh, but, yeah, with uh, Frank Sinatra, old blue eyes, I, I certainly do agree. Um, Mr. Sinatra in his latter years was looked better to me than, than he did back in, in the earlier days when he was hanging out. Who did he hang out with, uh, Dean, Dino, Dean Martin? Uh, Didn't they have, yeah. like, the Brat Pack?
1: Yeah, they used to mm. hang out at the Villa Capri. Mm. was the big hangout. They, they bulldozed the Villa Capri, by the way. It, mm. Sort of, if you go to Hollywood, uh, there was a circular Who
0: did that, and... Mark Newman? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, but y- you know uh, a professor from university went to a a council meeting and said, you know, I said, he says, you can't wreck this place. This is Joe DiMaggio. This is, uh, you know, this is everything. This was was Hollywood. It was a nice place. Uh, You had to wear a tie to get in, you know. Uh, And uh, I went there one night. And uh, the, uh, yeah, so he, but they bulldozed it anyway. So, but his daughter is still around. His daughter has got a kiosk, Patsy D'Amour I'm talking about. Uh, his daughter, who brought the pizza to Los Angeles, essentially, uh, she's got a, a pizza place uh, in the Fairfax market, farmer's market or whatever it is.
0: Doesn't she run yeah. the, um, I think it's only in California, at least the West Coast, the, the in and out pizza chain?
1: <laughs> no, that's, that's uh, I think Just there's burgers. one heiress mm-hmm. there oh. for the whole champagne, huh.
3: you
1: know? Uh Anyway, what I called to talk about is You know, last week we had these budget addresses and these politicians, they cut taxes. You know, this is, they lowered taxes, you know, I mean, and they raised the garbage bag fee, too. But, uh, you know, on the county level and the city level, and I call these tax cuts for what they are rounding errors you know it's sort of like calling spectrum and they credit your bill for a dollar ten
0: or sort of like when you take a break from your newspaper like old timers who still get the printed paper so so you take a a break from the newspaper delivery for a week and they give you 20 cents credit right it's like exactly. how, how the heck is that i'm paying well it's hard to tell with their their clever billing but you know they're charging you more than 20 cents a week so you take a week off just because you're going to be away from the news and it's like you get your bill oh 20 cents credit it's like how do you figure that in a seven cents a day
1: yeah it's, it's like uh, mayor david you know uh a billion dollars he spent in eight years and he returned to the taxpayers uh, two and a half million but anyway Now, let's talk about reality and really good leadership. Onondaga County, a tax decrease of 11%. 135,
0: yeah, millions. Millions of dollars in tax cuts.
1: Yeah. In New York State, you know. In New York State. So it's not a state problem. It's a local problem here. Uh, So that, 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 I think... You know when Dan Reynolds and, and these people send you or come to your house if they if they have the audacity to do that with their cars and say they cut taxes, uh, you know, tell them about Onondaga County and eleven percent uh, tax decrease.
0: How about uh, that? Tell- can can we ask Broome County and the city of Binghamton to? I mean, obviously the budget proposals for twenty twenty three have been presented granted the uh, city council and county legislature still need to act but uh, you can't expect them to make draconian cuts and find additional revenue but how about this as a goal for the 2024 budgets for both broome county and the city of binghamton if we could ask for a comparable 11 percent tax cut so that at least would be something that we could look forward to
1: well, you just get a copy of the Onondaga County budget, and then you, of course, Binghamton is a lot less populated, so it should use a lot less money. And look, look at, at their lines and see how, how much they are allocating uh, to, to, in their lines. So it, it's a relatively simple process. The problem is on the county level, uh, and this dates back to Tim Griffin, They these county executives want a huge surplus. Uh, going into the next election year, they want to be a bank. They're not a bank. Their budget line should have integrity. Uh, they don't need a big slush fund. So Garner talks about, well, the you know the count. If you're running an efficient, effective government, uh, a severe emergency would have to crop up. And said their emergency is when they're running for re-election. Uh, so that's 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 the way I. Oh, by the way. I think it's interesting. Now the truth emerges about Endicott uh, Battery Company there. Uh, Yesterday, uh, M. Stanley Whittington, or two days ago, said that the jobs would all be university jobs and that residents would be employed at a later date. There'd be hundreds of university jobs. So this is what this is. Let me tell you, this was always this. It is a university research project that's funded by government grants. It's not a real company. So there you go. It's a a company that is uh, being financed by the taxpayers and where university people will be employed. And they said if, you know, at a later date, residents. So all this gobbledygook that Pulse are not pulse. Uh, uh, well,
0: Linda Jackson I? is the mayor now. Yeah,
1: Action, Action Jackson uh, is peddling that you know this is going to be the revitalization of Endicott, and people are going to be going to work. Yeah, people that work for Binghamton University.
0: Well, and, that's okay. W-
1: w- Come on, John. Wait just a minute. It's okay. Once they urinate through the hundred and twenty million. <laughs> well, how know,
0: how many years do you project that'll take? I mean, that's a lot of money. How. You can't burn through $120 million that fast, can you?
1: Oh, you'd be surprised how fast they can do it. They'll do it within the parameters of the compliance strings that are attached to it, but they'll run through that.
0: But will fast. there be any public accountability of the spending?
1: Uh, not that I can see. Occasionally when I write to university about conflict of interests, uh, including M. Stanley Whittingham, Uh they have taken action, so I give them credit over there. But I thought the most ironic re- remark was Harvey Stanger yesterday saying, Uh, We've done Binghamton, we've done Johnson City, and now get ready, Endicott.
0: I saw that. I was going to ask you about that uh, because it sounded like a threat. It said, according to Fox 40's account, the threat was they're going to purchase 40,000 square feet to create a university presence in Endicott. If that's true, that means 40,000 square feet of wherever they buy is going to be taken off the tax rolls. Isn't that what happens?
1: In Binghamton and Johnson City. Now, Unless,
0: how about wait? How about if they make an agreement with the village of Endicott, if any property that's acquired specifically for university purchases or purposes, that as part of an agreement they could come up with a 99-year agreement with the village of Endicott to pay double what they would have paid what the tax the tax bills normally would be. So we'll just pull a figure out of the air. Say if the tax bill uh, would be $5,000, I don't know if that's right, I mean, again, just for discussion on the broadcast, say a $5,000 tax bill in 2024, the university, in exchange for not paying taxes on that property, would pay $10,000 to the village, and it would constantly, over the next 99 years, um, keep pace with whatever the tax bill normally would have been for that 40,000 square feet, I think that would be fair to the village people.
1: Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, in Johnson City, they've taken millions of dollars, of of, not of uh, property that wasn't paying taxes, you know, on foreclosure or something like that. No, they they took real money that the residents of Johnson City have to absorb. uh, You know, but I I just want to know one thing, Bob, and that is, uh, you know, you know this country. You know when this country was really on the right track as far as business goes, for a brief time in the '80s, around the time of the publication of uh, In Search of Excellence. That is, uh, you know, that is what this country was all about, and that's when real business people uh, were doing real things. And you know, a guy like Lee Iacocca borrowed from the taxpayers, and he paid it back. The taxpayers uh, made money. Uh, what we have today is a, a university. Now think about this. How many bureaucrats are in that tower? They can't see that the red cups are picked up, the red plastic cups are picked up in the city of Binghamton. You know, that, that, well, that's,
0: that's a good that's, point. How hard is it to pick up red cups after party night? I mean, even I could do it if I were tasked to do it. It's not my job. But, well. you know, you, you pick a, two or three able-bodied students and say, here, you're on red cup detail. And I, I would think that you could easily find three students to say, yeah, it's not that hard. We'll do it. The three of us will get these red cups picked up in about 35 minutes. And the place will look pristine for the working class that comes in at 9 o'clock every morning.
1: Well... Every red cup that you see, and when you see it, uh, is a violation of the open container law that the city of Binghamton has on its books. So how are these people walking around Binghamton with uh, uh, beer or booze in their red cups in violation of the open container law? How many tickets have been written since school started by the Binghamton police for violations of the open container law. And I would tell you none. Usually a self-respecting college town, if that's what Binghamton is, a college town, uh, has a period when school opens, where the law is laid down and where enforcement is done. But not in Binghamton, because uh, all this scuttlebutt about how Resinetti and Cram and David supported the police. They're down 14 police officers, which they can't fill because nobody will work at the Binghamton Police Department.
0: Well, that was the other thing. The statistics I heard about the uh, the openings at BPD... Binghamton Police Department, those numbers were shocking. I mean, if you, that's not a case where those positions were defunded. Those positions are open, and anybody who is qualified, able, and willing to go through the academy could probably get a job.
1: Uh, Another opening is the fire chief. There is no uh, fire chief.
0: Well, what about that? How come you don't hear about that? How come you don't hear about a lot of things going on at City Hall? I mean, it used to be, you know, up until... I'd say about, well, about nine months ago, we always heard updates from City Hall on a very regular basis. Now, essentially nothing.
1: Well, you have this guy who who says it isn't about legacy or the past, but yet... Uh, he's done nothing but embrace the past. And I would point to one other thing. If people think, well, I, I'm a Republican, I'm just against these Republican office holders. There's a WBNG story, I think yesterday. That states about this climate city or
0: climate community, and didn't he, he looked, say? Is it right? I mean, obviously they don't hold news conferences at a time when I can attend. But isn't it right that they said that they were going to spend seventy-five thousand dollars on that? Was that? Did I see that correct on on I don't know Fox Forty website? Seventy-five thousand dollars on that?
1: Uh, at least, yeah. But the, what it shows is that Jared Cram, the so-called Republican. Is in the same league as Bernie Sanders, John Kerry, uh, Andrea Casio Cortez. He is a socialist. His wife worked uh, was infatuated with Bernie Sanders. This is what this guy is about. He is. But maybe that's Republican. because
0: Bernie Sanders came to Binghamton. You remember Bernie Sanders showed up at the arena, so maybe it has nothing to do with his political. Beliefs, but maybe just because he came to to Binghamton a few days after Ted Cruz, maybe that's why some people.
1: Oh, oh no! He, uh, Cram was tweeting from his uh, the fourth floor at City Hall about how great it was that Bernie that didn't didn't tweet a peep about Ted Cruz who came in a couple of days later.
0: Really? Are so... you kidding? No, I think Ted Cruz came in first. I think it was oh. Ted Cruz first at the forum, and then, you know, yeah. turnabout is fair play. Uh, Bernie Sanders came in at the end of the week. But are you? Are you kidding me? That that uh, the man who ultimately became mayor did not tweet anything positive about the Republican presidential hopeful Ted Cruz when he came to Binghamton to record his special segment with Sean Hannity? Uh,
1: not that I said. Not that I saw. Okay. A, uh, you know, but
0: I was not I, aware of that.
1: Yeah, and, and finally, uh, finally, there's something called the adult. Survivors Act that was passed, you'll be hearing more about that, I'm sure, which essentially means that, that people that were sexually attacked in some way as an adult have uh, an increased statute of limitations. Now, the statute of one year, they have to file any past matter. And one wonders, and this passed the Senate, Fred Akshar voted for, it. it's called the Adult Survivors Act, passed sixty-two zero or 62 with one guy that wasn't there or something. But it's interesting to me that this allows for a one-year window. And uh, this brings us back to uh, the allegations uh, by a crime victim of uh, sexual activity by Akshar at Turning Stone Casino. Uh, So uh, you have a guy running for sheriff uh, that if... uh, she wants to can sue akshar uh for uh his activities uh, in this uh, uh sex at turning stone while on training uh that happened a few years back
0: so yeah. well I, I recall the news stories i think who wrote the news stories was it john campbell uh, from Gannett? I, I don't know. You yeah, know I'd have the... to look. I have to look up. I have to, because uh, I can't remember f- for sure who wrote the stories that appeared in the newspaper. But I'll, I'll have but, to um, look that up. Could have been somebody but, else working for if, uh, if, the press and Sun Bulletin.
1: If, if I was Fred Akshar, I would try to settle the matter so he could present to the public uh, the fact that this sort of damocles uh, that is hanging for a year. Uh, would be re- I mean he owes it to the public. Uh, so I would advise him he's got a, a good friend that's an attorney uh, to seek out uh, this person that has made these allegations that he had what he calls a consensual sexual relationship. She describes it as something else uh, and, and uh, put it to rest uh, because you can't have a sheriff uh, with that kind of cloud damaging cloud over him. It it wouldn't be right, and it would be a distraction, and it would be a three-ring circus.
0: Thank you, John, from Binghamton. It's 9.32 on a Wednesday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. 607-772-1290 is the number. If you'd like to submit an email, bob at wnbf.com. you with the best solutions of your lifetime the kso insurance weekly spotlight with karen sweet o'neill on news radio 1290 wnbf we are joined now by karen sweet o'neill in a live hookup not via satellite
4: (laughs) good morning bob good morning and how are you today
0: excellent Excellent. I apologize. I did not travel down the beautiful Vestal Parkway this morning to soak in the, the wonderment of it all.
4: The wonderment?
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Whenever I'm on Route 434, a.k.a. the parkway, I'm filled with a sense of wonderment.
4: Well, that's nice to hear, especially when you go by my office. Right?
0: Especially. <laughs> One of these days, I'll surprise you and drop in without an appointment. That would be fine. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, look who's here. Do you have an appointment, Mr.? <laughs> I would well, say. I have to
4: tell you, if it's six o'clock in the morning, you'll just be stopping by because no one will be here.
0: <laughs> understood. Understood. Well, you have some important, important mm. information for folks, many folks around the area who uh, over the years had worked for IBM.
4: I do. I do. So. IBM sent out some mailers um, just recently, and they'll be continuing to do that for their retirees that are on Medicare and that are taking part in subsidies through the Via Benefits uh, marketplace. So what IBM is saying is that they took a comprehensive look at the medical coverage offered to the retirees, and they listened to their feedback, and they did understand that it was it was quite, quite complex and uh, somewhat problemsome to navigate the Via Benefits um, website along with the subsidies that IBM offers their people. So in, in looking at that and researching that and listening to their retirees, they are announcing a new approach to their retiree medical benefits. And it's beginning this fall, and it's effective January 1st, 2023. So what what it entails is that the IBM retirees will have a choice, Bob, of two IBM-sponsored group Medicare Advantage plans, including one that has a zero premium option. Now, these plans are going to offer the health care and prescription drug coverage. It's all bundled into one, and also some interesting... Features and benefits that you may not be able to receive at a standalone Medicare Advantage plan on the outside. So why is this so important? Well, one of the reasons is when IBM decided to get out of the um, health insurance business for the retirees, because they promised the retirees um, health insurance in retirement, so in 2014, they decided to get out of that business, and they set up um, what they call HRAs, Bob, and that's basically health reimbursement accounts. And depending on the amount of service that you had, the year you retired, either 3000 or $3,500 was put into that account, and that was used for the IBM retiree to reimburse themselves for their health care premiums. And they had to go through this specific channel to get that subsidy because, you know, everybody had a a dog in the hunt, so to speak. So that's where the problem started to arise for a lot of IBMers because it was problems. It was very complex the way that they had to do this. So anyway, from 2014 till today, now everything is set up. However, they are going to make another change. And this change is going to be effective January 1st of 2023. Now, if you make the change to this new group Medicare Advantage plan, and there's two plans, one's the enhanced and one's the essential, then you will be able to use whatever subsidy amount of money that you have coming from IBM towards some features or benefits or copays or premiums of the plan. However, you also can remain enrolled in the coverage that they have, and if they want to stay with their current plan, including those through the VIA benefits, they can, but they have to be aware that if they choose to do that and they're, you know, stay in their current plans, then they're no longer going to be eligible for the IBM subsidy while they're enrolled. So that's a pretty big deal because a lot of people might not realize that, indeed, they will not be reimbursed. So if you're putting out close to $200 a month for your supplemental plan, and you're getting that reimbursed, and then come January, you're still putting out your $200 for your supplemental plan, and that's kind of a low premium, by the way, but you don't see any more reimbursement, then it's the aha moment, and we're trying to avoid that so that, they can actually use the subsidy that will they will still have the option of having if they switch over to the new plan. So, what do they do and what does the new plan entail? Well, in late September, so we're getting there, okay? An educational brochure is going to come mailed to their home and it's going to explain the features of the new plan options and, you know, how the subsidies are going to work along with those along with a worksheet. And then in early October, a plan guide and so on and so forth. They're going to have some virtual retiree meetings. And then they need to do this enrollment by December 16th. So we're helping out a lot of people with this because obviously it can be cumbersome. And if you have a supplemental plan, you can't just switch over to a Medicare Advantage plan and think everything's going to follow. You have to actually disenroll yourself. From that supplemental plan, so there's a lot going on there, and there's a lot at stake. So we want to put that out to the public, let them know that we are helping people with that, and as soon and you can also go on their websites and you can see what the plans are offering. But again, Bob, it's like anything else. You know, everything's piecemeal. I mean, I wish they had taken this and done it back in August or July. Give the people a little bit more time, but not the case. Well, you know. What are you gonna do?
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. And and let's face it, nobody is surprised. I'll just well, I shouldn't say nobody's surprised. Somebody's probably surprised the way they did it. Me, not so much. Anyway, for people who want more information about this, uh, how can they get in touch with you?
4: Mm-hmm. They can get in touch with us several ways. They can give us a call. We're at six zero seven 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 two forty eight ninety eight. Uh, They can Google us at KSO Insurance. All of our contact information will come up. Or they can go straight to a phone book. We have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. And, again, it's still open. Uh, We're taking appointments for open enrollment, which is people that are basically on Medicare without the IBM subsidy, and uh, they need to make their choices, too. October 15th to December 7th, we're taking appointments already. So. We are up on the parkway, 1708 Vestal Parkway East, the Old Howard's Florist, um, up above Plato's Closet and Style Encore.
0: Karen Sweet O'Neill, thank you for the information.
4: You are welcome, and you have a great day, Bob.
0: I will. I bet you will. <laughs> By the way, check our website, WNBF.com, for something. Oh, I know. What? Here's what I uh, remember yesterday. I hinted yes. mysteriously yes. about something going on in Vestal not far from I you. I
4: I well, when I was looking around, and I have to say I didn't see it. Well, if you go to our
0: to. website right now, you'll see what I was talking about. Those guys, I don't know that they're all guys, but when I was there, they were all guys. They were uh, getting set to tear down the, the old American Legion hall behind Coles, um, behind Target, up there oh, yeah. at uh, Parkway Plaza. And these, again... This is not sexist. It's just the truth because the people who are working at the time when I did my uh, investigative report, I mean, when I stopped by, uh, it was guys getting set to they're doing the prep work to tear down the American Legion uh, clubhouse that was built back in 1961. Have you ever been inside there? I have. I I know. Me, too. I've been there for for great functions, for political functions, for uh, wedding receptions and other other things so i i was thinking over the last 60 years there's so many people who had great memories of the american legion clubhouse and now it's about to be torn down so i put on the website some pictures and i even i even peeped in did i peep in or did i peek in anyway peek. yes peep. i peeked peep makes it sound like it's illegal peeking is legal peeping <laughs> probably not so much but <laughs> you look at it on wnbf.com and you can see the pictures in the video in fact this is a tantalizing little thing doesn't work so well on radio but this listen just to a snippet from the video and then you'll be inclined to see what what the heck is actually going on this is when i was peeking inside the old american legion listen to the videos So the audio only tells part of the story. The video is shocking. You'll be shocked when you see the video at WNBF.com.
4: What are they putting in
5: there?
0: It's a secret battery plant. I can't tell you. It's secret. They're going to be building secret plant batteries. They're next-generation batteries. They're so advanced, a little battery, like the size of your thumb... Will be able to power a car for up to three years.
4: Is that right?
0: No, it's not right, but it's I know it's not right. You're not right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a regular Stanley Whittingham. I'm gonna win some prizes. You know, the Nobel <laughs> Committee is coming down here. Bob, did you say you've invented a battery the size of your thumb that can power a car for three years? Come on, come on and, and, and interview with the Nobel Committee. We have a prize for you.
3: The right. Anyway. Oh. You're
0: <laughs> People are going to say, you know, Professor Whittingham heard you and 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 cra- he he drove his car off the parkway as he was heading into his lab thinking that I was serious and, you know, now I have to there are, are going to be meetings in the corner office. I'm going to have to go to <laughs> Professor Whittingham's lab and say I was just having fun and he'll tell me, "Well, I'll let you get away with it this time, but in the future, don't joke about battery technology. It's not a laughing matter.
4: Oh, my stars. <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> oh, check it out, WNBF.com.
4: I will. Well, Take thanks, care, Karen.
0: Bob. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Oh, my gosh. Professor Whittingham, I was kidding. Yes, it's a battery the size of your thumb, and it can actually power a Tesla for 10 years with no recharging. That's my dream. 945. This is Bob Joseph. A dollar and a dream and a phone. 607 772 1290. We're live on a Wednesday morning on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM 1290 AM and available on the free WNBF app. WNBF, do you remember the 21st night of September? Um, yeah, actually, I do. 2 <laughs> 2- 1290 Chicken sandwiches. The question still presents itself if they're going to be selling those chicken sandwiches in such quantity. In Johnson City, why, oh why, won't they sell them seven days a week? Because in my book, when I want a chicken sandwich, I can't limit myself to just six days of the week. I want the ability to get the best chicken sandwich every day. Preferably around the clock. I don't know that it's going to be a 24-7 chicken sandwich stand. It, it may but it probably won't, I think, to better serve the public, they ought to, one, announce that our chicken sandwiches that everybody craves are going to be available at all hours of the day. If you want a chicken sandwich at 2.20 in the morning, you should be able to get one. And, furthermore, if you want a chicken sandwich on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Monday, you should be able to get one. Personal opinion. I know. It's their chicken stand and they'll run it their way. (laughs) Just as the people who run the chicken company or it's not a chicken company, it's a chicken sandwich empire just as they would not stick their nose into the program and say how they would want me to run this program seven days a week. So there, that's their response. I can Having dealt with their public relations department, I can pretty much visualize their one-sentenced email statement with something to the effects, we know how to run our chicken sandwich business, so you mind your own radio business, and we won't tell you that you ought to be on seven days a week. But such a big deal, why don't, why don't you, the talk show host, excuse me, the facilitator, show up on Sundays and do the show on Sunday and then maybe we'll think about selling you a chicken sandwich on a Sunday. Something like that. I'm just guessing. It's probably pretty close. 951 WNBF. What else is going on? Um, Well, we have a, a big story. See, I'm sort of now the business editor, I think, of Broome County. Binghamton. They used to have a business section in the paper Um, but people don't want strike that they can't afford a business section anymore for the newspaper so I basically now have become the de facto business editor for the Binghamton area and I'll have another fine, fine business story I work the business beat and the politics beat and public safety beat (laughs) I work all the beats Anyway, we'll have a great story coming up about a brand new business that um, people are probably going to be talking about. People will say, well, it's an interesting new business. And we saw it first on WNBF.com. The story will be emerging online uh, shortly. Shortly. Barring breaking news. Obviously, if there's breaking news, I'll have to focus on that first. And then the business story will be posted when I can get to it. 952, a car alert. Car alert, people who want new cars, head to Miller Motors on the parkway in Vestal. Miller Motors, 4455 Vestal Parkway East, directly across from Binghamton University. Stop by and ask them about New cars, new vehicles, Hondas and Hyundais, oh my, and used vehicles. Check out the previously owned inventory at MillerAutoTeam.com. They have been there for a long time and they will be there for a long time to come to serve you, the entire region. It's Miller Motors. They love helping people find a vehicle that's appropriate, the perfect Mode of transportation for you or a member of your family. They're open tonight till six. Tomorrow they'll be open from nine to seven. It's the Miller Auto Team on the Parkway in Vestal. Find yourself a very nice vehicle, new or used, as we swing into autumn. Nine fifty-three, Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. You watch. Complete satisfaction when you call 607-772-1290 or when you send an email to bob at wnbf.com. Nine fifty (laughs) five. A man comes on the radio and tells you to go buy donuts. Or, how about a new shirt? We're <laughs> just having fun. And that is what it's about here at News Radio, WNBF. The other stations no longer have fun. This station continues to have the most fun permitted by the Federal Communications Commission and other authorities. Now, the forecast from the National Weather Service mostly sunny today, high 80. Mostly cloudy tonight, with a chance of showers and thunderstorms, then showers uh, overnight. Uh, Rainfall. I was about to say snowfall. Between a quarter and a half inch. Low 58. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. A few showers in the morning. High 63. And for Friday, mostly sunny with a slight chance of showers early in the day. The high 58. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's um, quite nice. Quite nice. Uh, which means I don't have any clue what the temperature is. It is. I, I can... Um, gauging from my ride into work, I would say the temperature now is between 55 and 65. It's the best I can do. National Weather Service advises a strong cold front will move through the region this evening through tonight. The front will be accompanied by thunderstorms, which may produce strong to severe wind gusts along with heavy downpours. So, If you're uh, concerned about severe weather, as are we, stay tuned. We'll provide you with uh, additional information as it's released from the highly trained meteorological professionals high atop Mount Ettrick. Right now, again, in downtown Binghamton, it probably is between... 55 and 65. Let me see if we can That's why we put the thing on my phone. Okay, it's 64 according to my phone in downtown Binghamton. So I I think I think I made a a f- good guess. It's in the range, officially 64. Right here in downtown Binghamton at News Radio coming up more information and more conversation. We'll be taking more calls. And between now and noon, I expect I'll be reading an email. So submit yours at bobwnbf.com. <laughs> I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first.
1: News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy
0: White.
2: Good morning, it's 62 degrees at 10.04. Forecast for today, mostly sunny and a high near 80. Pennsylvania State Police are asking for help in finding a missing child. Authorities in the Tawanda barracks this morning confirmed they were still looking for 11-year-old Jalen Michelle Oakley, who was last seen around 7 last evening in Monroe Township in Bradford County. The girl is white with shoulder-length brown hair. She stands about 5 feet tall, weighs around 135 pounds. The 11-year-old has blue eyes and was last seen wearing a brown T-shirt, gray shorts, gray shoes, blue glasses, and had a blue sweatshirt around her waist. She was reported missing around 8 p.m. from a home on Birdsall Road. We do have a photo of the child on our website, WMBF.com. Anyone with information is asked to call the state police at 570 265 Two one eight six. The news release and information available from a call from the Twanda barracks this morning have not provided any information regarding any medical issues or safety concerns that may be in the mix when looking for this child. No information about possible associates or connections to areas around or outside of Bradford County. Delaware County Sheriff's officials are announcing the arrest of two suspects in separate trespassing incidents in the county. The authorities say they arrested 30-year-old Michael Vogel of Delhi last week in connection with a July 6th incident on Fox Farm Road in Sydney in which items were stolen. According to an account from the Sheriff's Office, deputies were called to the home for an unauthorized person at the property and found Vogel had accessed and remained unlawfully at the home. An arrest warrant was issued and Vogel was arrested on Thursday. He He is charged with one count of petty larceny, which is a misdemeanor, one count of trespass. He was released on his own recognizance following arraignment and is scheduled to appear in town of Sydney court at a later date. The sheriff's officials also reported locating and arresting Peter McGuire of Meredith in connection with a separate incident where several properties in the village of Walton were accessed without permission in the early morning hours of August 11th. Officials say they got reports of a male entering several properties in the darkness and identified 68-year-old Peter McGuire as the suspect. The village of Walton, the court issued a criminal summons, which was served over the weekend. According to information provided by the sheriff's office, McGuire is also released following his arrest. The city of Binghamton is working on a new climate action plan to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions. The mayor's office says this fall the city will issue a request for proposals from firms to work with the city to develop that new plan. Mayor Jared Cram says the new plan will put Binghamton in a good position over the next decade to lead in sustainability, securing state and federal resources to address flooding and climate change. The Republican also notes the plan could also assist in attracting green jobs. Binghamton's first climate action Action Plan was put into place in 2011 under the administration of Democrat Mayor Matthew Tiberius Ryan. That is the year of that catastrophic flood, where the remnants of Hurricane and then Tropical Storm Lee devastated the entire region. Millions of dollars in damage was wreaked, and some of residents are still working to recover. The estimated cost of the new climate action plan is being put at $75,000. Funding approval is to be submitted to Binghamton City Council for review at its October 3rd work. Session. The work on Binghamton's new climate action plan comes as New York Governor Kathy Hochul yesterday signed an executive order to accelerate efforts to make the state more sustainable. WMBF First News Time, 10.08. Preparation work is underway for the demolition of an American Legion clubhouse that opened over 60 years ago. The Vestal American Legion Hall, west of Jensen Road, is being torn down for construction of a new fire station. The three-and-a-half-acre site was acquired by the Vestal Fire District for $607,000 in 2018, with district voters approving the borrowing of $7.5 million in January to construct a 15,000-square-foot station. The station that will replace Fire Station 4 on the Vestal parkway will be located just south of the coal store on the vestal and on the parkway plaza the new fire station providing modern facilities and more space for equipment could be operational by the end of next year the american legion post meanwhile moved to a smaller site at 259 vestal parkway east The Rural Health Network of South Central New York is announcing its second annual On the Hunt for Good Health fundraiser. The organization is looking to raise $30,000 to help ensure access to affordable, quality health care and support services for residents of rural communities and make sure they have access to healthy, locally grown food. According to the Director of Resource Development, Cindy Martin, Rural Health Network is already about 40% there. The effort will continue through October 2nd. Martin says challenges focus on transportation food systems and well-being participants try to run walk or bike a total of twenty-six miles that is spread over the two-week event the goal is symbolic as it averages out to the one-way distance traveled by rural residents for a doctor's appointment Rural Health Network is also challenging residents to shop fresh farm markets and local produce stands and take some time to check on their mental well-being. To register for the event, businesses, teams, or individuals can go to the event website. We have a link to that at our website, WMBF.com. WMBF News Time,
0: 1010.
2: The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly sunny today, a high near 80. For tonight, a 60% chance of showers and thunderstorms, mostly cloudy, a low in the upper 50s. Tomorrow, 60% chance of showers, mostly cloudy, a high in the low to mid 60s. Friday, a slight chance of showers, mostly sunny, a high in the upper 50s. Saturday, mostly sunny, high in the mid-60s, and Sunday, partly sunny, a little more seasonable, and a 40% chance of afternoon showers could get into the lower 70s. Currently, it is 62 degrees in Binghamton. It's ten eleven. Where news breaks first, News Radio, 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. <laughs>
0: Here we go again. Bob Joseph at the microphone, keeping an eye on the telephone to make sure it's operational. 607-772-1290 is the hotline if you'd like to discuss something. I'm all ears. Of course, I may ask a few questions. That is to be expected because this is WNBF and WNBF.com. And uh, great to have you with us here on the big show. Of course, um, the liberal media trying to create controversy about the pandemic. That's what the liberal media, of course, does best. Controversy, the pandemic. It's a pandemic. No, it's not, said President Biden on 60 Minutes, America's loveliest recorded news program the pandemic is over the president said others beg to differ according to the liberal media anyway uh, whatever whatever your opinion is feel free to we'll try to whip you into a frothy frenzy 60 minutes (laughs) I uh, don't think for a minute they they don't know what they're doing, those liberal media types at the 60 Minutes. <laughs> of course they know what they're doing. No, they don't. They don't know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. That's why they're America's number one, number one, number one fabulous News programs. 1014 Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. You wash your hands. News Radio
2: 1290, WNBF.
0: It's 1017 at WNBF and WNBF.com. The Broome County Suicide Prevention Coalition has hosted its annual Chalk the Walk and Have the Talk awareness campaign as part of World Suicide Prevention Day, and this is uh, an important month because people are encouraged to talk about a difficult issue, the, the issue of suicide. It's never a pleasant conversation, but it's a vital conversation. The uh, Chalk the Walk promotion is uh, just one part of an effort to increase awareness In fact, uh, there will be a gallery opening of Chalk the Walk displaying this year's chalk art. That'll be at the Broome County Public Library and opening tomorrow. Joining us now to talk about this is Maria Fabrizi from the Broome County Health Department, or rather, Broome County Mental Health Department. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being with us. It's been a while since you've been on the program. I'm glad you're able to join us today.
6: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So let's talk about the effort to continue and, and actually increase awareness and and the conversation about suicide and about people who at times might feel hopeless and in some cases don't know where to turn for help.
6: Yeah, you know, one of the things that you said in the beginning there, it's, it's a really difficult conversation to have sometimes. And uh, I think really... This community-wide awareness that we were able to uh, display this month uh, has been so crucial in helping people understand that they're not alone, um, you know, to have some of those open conversations with you know people loved ones friends family members um, and just to to really feel sort of connected um, and sort of hopefully hopefully end some of that stigma around mental health uh, and suicide.
0: Sadly suicide remains a a very uh, high cause of death in the general population Mm -hmm. and now looking at some of the recent statistics it's um I believe in the United States now regarded as the second leading cause of death for people in the age group 20 to 34
6: yeah so there are some statistics like that um, and it's very i think it's it's almost alarming when you hear them because it is so common and I don't think a lot of people realize just how common it is but fifty four percent of Americans have been affected by suicide in some way, you know whether um, it's a family member or themselves so it's a very common Peace to our public health, uh, and it's something. It's also something that ninety-three percent of Americans feel can be prevented, um, which is important, right? When we're when we're trying to uh, be positive and 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 put ways, you know, think of ways that we can help uh, preventing suicide. It, it's actual. It's attainable. It's it's actual. So, uh, and and having these conversations, having people reach out, having access to care. Um, you know, physical care as well as mental care is crucial um, and having people feel comfortable really, really comfortable talking about these hard topics is is so important.
0: What are some of the signs that that people might notice that um a, a friend or an acquaintance might mm-hmm. be having uh, some some uh, potential uh, life crisis and If you notice certain signs, then what can you do about it?
6: You know, I think withdrawing from your friend group and your family, um, you know, sure signs of depression, just being very sad. But on the flip side of that, folks who are contemplating suicide, they see an end, you know, so it almost looks uh, happy. You know, they almost have this this glimmer of happy because they're like... um, you know, they're excited about the thought of not having to be in so much pain anymore. Um, so it's really asking the question. I know sometimes it can feel very uh, scary to even use the word suicide or, you know, saying, are you thinking about killing yourself? Uh, and that one question, opening up to somebody that you feel is having um, these kinds of thoughts, can just really open up the whole world. Many times people who have been contemplating suicide um, will say, if only one person just asked me, you know, I would have been able to open up or, you know, just feel not so alone. Um, And it's really, and and those are protective factors, that feeling of connectedness, that sense of belonging belonging, um, to your community and your family with your friend group, having hope for your future. Um, seeing outside of that tunnel of, um, despair and depression is really, um, what we want to promote, um, and being able to cope with struggles, you know, life struggles, trauma, um, and having just those, the sense that you're able to talk about it, that you're taken seriously, um, you know, all help someone who is, uh, contemplating those
0: thoughts but it's hard to uh, sometimes it's hard to put into words for people i think sometimes mm-hmm. people first of all these days i think people are just not as in, as likely to engage in one-on-one conversation just because of the technology not just young people but now more than ever people of all ages seem to be more comfortable texting or emailing mm-hmm. or or posting a video than actually having a, a thoughtful, serious conversation with someone face to face.
6: You know, they did they developed um, a text line for, you know, for people and youth have been uh, very drawn to that, um, a crisis text line so that you don't have to necessarily talk to someone. But that was, you know, Chalk the Walk was born out of COVID where we were all so isolated. And as a coalition, we were thinking, how can we help our community, you know, come together and feel connected? And, you know, we had such an outpouring of support for this campaign this year. Um, school, like the greatest thing when we're talking about young people and having that conversation, it is so hard hard um, for our young folks to converse because they haven't, they don't have practice doing it. They haven't had to. Um, So it's when, when we saw our schools, you know, we had eight schools Talking their walks this year, um, which was an amazing showing and um, a couple of us had visited some of the schools as they were doing it and it was amazing to see the kids writing these heartfelt beautiful messages of hope and inspiration and uh, you know color and it was just a wonderful uh, display, I guess of what can happen if you if you provide the opportunity you know for for kids to sit down and talk and and teachers were involved, there were aides, and there were conversations happening. And um, it was just a beautiful, it was a beautiful thing.
0: Tell us what will be happening tomorrow night at the Broome County Public Library on Court Street.
6: Yeah, so we decided to, so Chalk the Walk was a contest. Not only was it an awareness campaign, uh, we also used it as a an, an art contest. And we got over 70 entries this year, which was wonderful, and we're going to be displaying them at the Broom County Public Library uh, in the Colonnade, kind of like an art gallery style, um, on Thursday evening from 6 to 7.30, and we also are going to be presenting a slideshow of the community. So some folks just chalked their walk and didn't necessarily enter the contest, but um, we got many Um, posts on Facebook where they tagged us and they tagged uh, the hashtag Broom Has Hope and Chalk the Walk 2022. So we're going to be displaying those in a slideshow so that everybody can see um, everybody's submissions and what they did and it's very, it's very heartwarming uh, I've been preparing some of these um, items you know, the the slideshow and the actual art, the photos and we have them all sort of in a, in a room getting ready to go up and the people that come in, they're like oh my goodness, it's just such a warming heart heartfelt uh, feeling that you get when you see all of the art together, so we're very, very excited it's the first time that we're um, going to be showcasing the work, and uh, the library is willing to display it for the whole rest of the month um, as part of World Suicide Prevention Month. So we're very excited about that, and we're going to be um, uh, announcing our winners that evening also.
0: So there will be an award ceremony at 7 o'clock tomorrow evening, and people in the community will be able to uh, attend that as well. Yes.
6: Yes, absolutely. And we're, you know, we were so thankful that the library agreed to leave up the artwork so that people can see it. You know, we're, we're competing with a lot of open houses and sports and, you know, we're competing with a lot of things in September. September's a hard month to <laughs> try to do uh, something where we need community participation. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, so we're thankful that the artwork will be up for the rest of the month uh, so that people can come in and, and take a look if they can't make it tonight.
0: And importantly, and I think this is uh, vital when we. Dane, what are some of the options for people?
6: Well, I would say they could. um, New York State has a, I think it's called Project Cope right now. Uh, which is online. There's a lot of of avenues that they can reach online. Um, we encourage them to call our department, Broom County Mental Health Department. We can sort of guide them um, and, and help them with where they need to go. Um, they can always call 211 locally. Also, um, there's the crisis, to, um, the life. Let me get this right. The suicide and crisis. Lifeline at nine eight eight. So that's a brand new. Um, instead of calling nine one one, that is typically like a medical emergency. Nine eight eight has been implemented to help with mental health crises and suicide. Um, so that's a that's a really a wonderful addition uh, to folks that are in need of some immediate help.
0: Maria Fabrizi. With Broome County Mental Health Department. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. I hope you have a great day.
6: Thank you. Thank you, you too.
0: It's ten twenty-eight. I'm Bob Joseph. We're serving the community on News Radio, WNBF ninety-two point one FM, twelve ninety AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. News radio. WNBF 1032, Bob Joseph, Wednesday morning, 607-772-1290. If you feel a need to comments on the issues du jour, also Bob at WNBF.com. 11% tax cut in Onondaga County. I'm half tempted to call the Onondaga County Executive Ryan McMahon to discuss that looking at a story that was reported by Shallon Stevens at Spectrum News. It says the budget, this is the Syracuse area, Onondaga County, the budget is $1.4 billion. That's the plan. But according to this, the county executive is proposing one of the biggest tax cuts in that county's history, 11%. The quote from... Ryan McMahon, we thought it was meaningful, and that gave us the ability to give meaningful relief back to people and also accomplish the priorities we have with the need in the community. Some of the priorities... Uh, funding mental health services in schools, tackling lead, <laughs> tackling lead hazards, yeah, go ahead and tackle those lead hazards. Tackling lead hazards and investing in the youth with $2 million in capital funds to partner with an NFL player. So that's evidently the plan in Onondaga County. Um, a guy who apparently is of the other party, the county legislature's minority leader, Christopher Ryan, said he was pleased to hear a significant tax cut proposal. I was not expecting an 11% tax cut, but at the same time, with a lot in the fund balance we have, I've been outspoken to say some of this should be returned to the taxpayers without question, so that's good news Wow, 11%. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. I I could serve as a template for the future, the future of America. Imagine every government following the lead of Onondaga County, every local, state, and federal government starting in 2023 will cut taxes by 11%. Of course, somebody would complain about that on the radio no doubt speaking of people complaining and this certainly could open the floodgates i'm reluctant to bring it up but hey you gotta face these issues head-on the future of america the future of the guy from scranton so what is the story with the guy from scranton also known as president joseph biden Well, on the one hand, some people might think he plans to run for a second term. On the other hand, some people might think he's finally going to admit one term is more than enough for him and maybe for the American people. But we really don't know. He's being coy about it, as evidenced in this brief clip from 60 Minutes News sir are you committed to running again or are there certain conditions that have to be right
7: look if i were to say to you i'm running again all of a sudden a whole range of things come into play that i have uh, requirements i have to change and move and do
0: in terms of election in laws.
7: terms of election loss then it's much too early to make that kind of decision i'm a great respecter of fate and so what I'm doing is I'm doing my job, I'm gonna do that job, and within the time frame that makes sense after this next election cycle here, going into next year, make a judgment of what to do.
0: You say that it's much too early to make that decision, and I take it the decision has not been made in your own head.
7: Look, my intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again, but it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I've run again? That remains to be seen.
0: Which is exactly as you would expect a president or a mayor or a talk show host. That's the kind of answer you would expect. Why would you tell Scott Pelley or anybody else in the public forum that you're basically going to step away from your job at some point, whether it's in a day, a year, two years, whatever? Why would you? So people can then start saying, oh, it's lame-duck President Joe Biden. We don't have to really take him seriously because he's going to be gone on January 20th, 2025 anyway. So there. Why will we take him seriously when we know who is going to be sworn in on January 20th, 2025, and then America will be grape again? So, um... There you go. Of course, President Biden wasn't going to definitively, definitively state, I will run for re-election or, even more honestly, I will not seek a second term in 2024. On the other hand, of course, for Scott Pelley, I mean, whether it's Scott Pelley or me or anyone else who's doing an interview with any president at this stage, you always ask. You have to ask. Now, if you don't ask, it's journalistic malpractice, so the question must be asked, and of course whether you're talking about a mayor or a county executive or a president, of course that's basically the answer they're going to give. You know, They'd have to have highly trained medical technicians on hand, (laughs) if President Biden told Scott Pelley during the taping of the 60 Minutes interview, Scott, you know, I was going to run again, but because I'm getting so tired of hearing this question from people like you, I'm not going to run again. I refuse to run again. There. You happy now? And Scott Pelley would start clutching his chest and say, Mr. President, I was not prepared for your honesty and your bluntness. So, no, of course, Joe Biden can't tell us exactly what he plans to do. On the other hand, having said that and acknowledging the reality of the matter, it's very difficult for me to imagine a scenario where Joe Biden actually decides he really wants a second term. Maybe he will. Again, I I've said before on this program, I will not in most cases attempt to predict the future because on those few occasions when I've done done predictions, it just clearly clearly it doesn't work, almost every prediction I think I've ever made publicly or privately has proven just how little i know so i i try try to refrain from even occasionally getting into the prediction business despite the temptation but having said that i i really can't see why joe biden would want four more years of this can you I mean, on November 20th, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. will turn 80. I don't know anyone who's 80. All right, well, I do know uh, two people who are older than 80 who still really like doing what they do and want to put up with the requisite stuff that goes along with working. (sighs) On a fairly regular basis. They'll put up with it. But most people at that age are realistic regardless of what their uh, physical and mental health is. Most people are realistic. At 80, who wants to put up with it? Who wants to get up at a certain time every morning, whether you're the president or anything else, and keep doing it? I know you're saying, yeah, but look at John Sterling. Yeah, but that's different. He he gets a kick out of it, but even he, John Sterling, uh, who's owned and operated. Well, I don't know that he's owned and operated, but he's certainly part of the Yankees broadcast team and a legend. You know, at some point, even he decides to cut back. So, you know, if people like John Sterling decide to cut back on their daily operations. He's, um, I had to look it up now, John Sterling is 84. So, of course, of course, at some point, you want to cut back. So, will Joe Biden actually go through and, and run for a second term? He could surprise people and do it. And he certainly isn't going to going to call me and ask for my Two cents. he doesn't care what I think uh, he'll consult with Dr. Jill Biden that's right, Dr. Jill Biden and maybe some other family members and trusted friends to get their thoughts but even I, I would be very surprised if his wife or other family members or people in his inner circle I'd be really surprised if they said Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. You're gonna. If if you thought your first term was a was a lot of fun, just wait until the second term to see how many times they the Republicans impeach you. See, that's another thing. If the Republicans, we've stipulated before, if the Republicans gain control of the House in the midterm elections coming up in November, it seems highly likely that he's going to be impeached. And if by chance the Republicans gain control of the Senate, it's possible not only would he be impeached, but he could also be convicted and then thrown out of his free housing ahead of schedule. So, personally, I think with everything that he's had to put up with, since he took the oath of office after the insurrection in Washington. I would think that he'd finally say after after four years, yeah, that's that's sufficient. I've done all I can do here. Now I'm going to sail off into the sunset and live the rest of my life in Delaware where all good people live in retirement. Delaware is a retirement mecca. But again, that's just my my impression I think the liberal media will have a field day now because of his response to the 60 Minutes liberal news interview I think the liberal media will have so much fun speculating on who the Democratic nominee will be is it going to be Kamala will it be AOC will it be Bernie uh... Will it be Matt Lauer? Uh, who knows? That's the fun. That's what it's about. It's about having fun, speculating, because everybody can participate. 607 772 1290 is our number. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from? He's
7: Matt Rice.
0: How you doing? Good. Will you have a sock over the phone?
7: Oh, no. I'm uh, lining up my brick. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, speak speak directly into your device.
7: I am. Speak, can you hear me now?
0: Well, somewhat. Yeah, okay. So, what's on your mind, Matthew Ryan, former mayor of Binghamton? Who's
7: that guy, Joey Bagadonis, that's running against uh, Chuck Schumer? What's his name?
0: Joe Pinion.
7: Oh, Joe. Is that a radio name or something?
0: No, I think it's his real name. It's like, oh, okay. yeah, I know. Some people, when I. I admit, when I first heard the name, I had to look it up to see. Now, apparently, uh, some of his background is he's been a, a political commentator. Apparently, he had some kind of a, a program on the uh, highly, highly um, rated Newsmax channel. Oh, I So, yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, it's interesting. Actually, let me... Would you uh, indulge me while I just look up his bio? Because I, that's one thing, since many of our listeners probably still are unfamiliar with him, let me just give you a little snapshot of what's on his website so you can get a a, a little appreciation of who Joe Pinion is. Okay. According to his campaign website, he's an advocate, entrepreneur, and political news commentator. Throughout his life, Joe has witnessed both the power of opportunity and the pernicious impact of government-driven neglect. From the faces within his own family to the stories he has helped explore from behind a news desk, Joe personally understands the realities confronting the everyday people that call New York home. He was born and raised in Yonkers by his mother and grandmother and graduated from Horace Mann High School, a standout student-athlete. He was recruited to play football at Colgate, where he was a two-year varsity letter winner and a member of the 2003 team that finished 15-1. and um, Says he also is a political news commentator. He appeared regularly on prominent news networks and talk shows, and was most recently the host of his own show, Saturday Agenda, on Newsmax. So that's a little bit of his background. Oh,
7: okay, well one thing I would like, to, I didn't really know much about him, but I would like to point out that, you know, he he did the normal talking points of a lot of Republicans, but he also went, in my mind, disqualified himself completely when he uh, questioned our involvement in helping Ukraine. And uh, anybody who, that means he's, uh, you know, although you tried to prod him on whether he was a Donald Trump supporter or would support him, that's the thing that I think most common-sense Americans are really concerned about is people who would who would have gone along with Trump who, in the new book Divider, that's a bestseller on Amazon after one day on the list or one day for sale by the two New York Times reporters, um, they, you know, basically... People are so afraid of this guy in the, in the national security operations. They were think he was threatening to end our relationship with NATO over and over again. They thought he was going to make that speech several times. Just imagine what our world would be like right now or what Europe's world would be like if, uh, if, if he had done that. And, and, and if he ever got elected again, he'd do it just for spite because <laughs> that's just who he is. So, well, uh, and that's
0: what makes it interesting, though. I mean, there's there's no law, of course, as you know, as long as he's not a convicted felon, there's no law that precludes him from seeking another term. And and personally, just between you and me as a talk show host, I would sort of relish the campaign. I'm not saying <laughs> I am not supporting, you know me, I never support a candidate. Um, so I, I would not go so far as to support a Democrat or a Republican in 2024, that's that's not who I am. I'm just saying for broadcast purposes and just pure entertainment for this program in 2024, I would strongly encourage him to uh, seek the nomination just for entertainment purposes, if nothing else.
7: Yeah, that's... Um... I mean, that's unfortunately what, what it's come to. Well, it is what it's yeah. come to. You, see, the the thing about
0: me that sets me apart from some of the others who are on radio or TV, at least I'm honest about it. Yeah. You know, I I, I, I have no... You know, some people say, A Raj, you have an agenda. And it's like, first, my name's not Raj. And second, I have no agenda except bringing you the very best talk program possible with the limited resources I have in Binghamton. So if... If Donald Trump wants to run again, I say go for it, not from a political standpoint, but to help uh, provide some conversation helper to this show and other desperate shows across he the fruited plain. He
7: certainly has been a boon for, uh, yes. for a lot of media organizations. Well,
0: look look at the hit that the cable TV ratings took after after he left office i mean you can look at the the ratings charts not just on on cable tv but but regular news after he left office boring joe biden and i don't mean that You know, some people say, you called the president, our president now, boring. Well, relatively speaking, even he would acknowledge compared to his, you know, showbiz type, uh, you know, prime time uh, entertainer predecessor, he is boring. And that's, you know, maybe that's good, but it's, you know, he's totally different. It's not good for ratings.
7: It's very good for the country. So, um, yeah, so this guy, in my mind, another thing he said that wasn't really true was, well, he, he, he said certainly we have a fentanyl crisis in this country, but he made it sound like all the people who are coming to our borders are all loaded up with fentanyl. The, 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 the reality is uh, drugs have always been smuggled through um, legal crossings with vehicles and underton- uh, illegally by underground tunnels, but legally mostly in, in, uh, in trucks and stuff like that. It's not, these people are not bringing fentanyl with them. So he correlated that with uh, our immigration crisis, which I thought was unfortunate. Well, and we see what the playbook now that, now that the Republicans are up against it because of their extremism and their overturning, overturning of Roe v. Wade, they have to, the, the, the thing you're going to see the drum beat most on is immigration. And the reality is why, the question that should be asked of the Republicans is, when you had the, the gang of eight, when you had a chance to do something, uh, why didn't you do it? And it's, it's all because of Jeff Sessions and little Stephen Miller, that little runt. And uh, that's why it fell apart. So anytime the Republicans, say, make a claim against the uh, – ask them if they're – what they're willing to do to have a, a common sense um, – Border border situation and also common sense gun situation. Uh, they just don't. They they are so afraid of the MAGA base and that they won't do anything. And uh, and that's why it's so important for everybody to vote to get out and vote to keep these people away from our because they don't want to do anything. They want to just destroy government. They want to make it so. I mean, their own platform put out by Governor Scott would. Funds that social security and all kinds of benefits that people rely on. If you want to see uh, the fringe gain more power, uh, say this to Republicans. If you want to see the fringe on the left gain more power, then support that agenda because you will. Again, FDR back before FDR, there was a lot of uh, communist and socialist sympathizers, a lot of them. And if he hadn't done what he did with the um you know, with all the all the programs that he put in place that um you know checked unfettered capitalism, we would have had, we would have gone down that road. So that's uh, that's about all I have to say today.
0: All right, thank you. Uh Matt from Binghamton, also known as Matthew Ryan, former mayor. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Ten fifty four WNBF WNBF dot com. The lines are always open for you. Email bob at wnbf.com. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available to you on the free WNBF app. America's favorite talk show, in my opinion. It's the impression I get. 10.58, the news coming up in exactly 90 seconds with the professionals from the American broadcasting companies from a little booth in a beautiful building on West 66th Street in Manhattan where security has been ramped up. Manhattan because of all of our favorite global leaders will be in town. So, uh, especially if you're in the Upper East Side, stay away. Ugh. Stay away. Gridlock alerts and the UN you know, they're back back to um, business as usual at the United Nations uh, after a couple of years of uh, taking a time out. But now that Joe Biden has managed to put an end to the pandemic it's party on. Garth at the united nations and the party is getting underway for those who are invited as they say if you have not been specifically invited to the united nations you probably should stay away there will be uh, of course frozen zones and gridlocks and all sorts of uh, wackiness so if you're going to new york city today hey go down to 1697 broadway and watch a tv show taping but don't even think of going to the Upper East Side. Now somebody said there's going to be a protest with several hundred people there outside the United Nations. I have no idea what they're going to be protesting, but you know they'll be angry. 11 o'clock, WNBF Binghamton. (laughs) 607 772 1290. It's Bob Joseph live on your radio from News Radio. out for those lights (laughs) 607-772-1290 listen to this story out of the times no it's a story in the times hear that crispy news goodness or is that the sound effect for a house fire Sounds like a sound effect for a house fire, right? Let's well, see. Crispy New York Times. Videos show Trump allies handling voter equipment. Oh, come on, man. This can't be true, New York Times. Well, anyway, they put three of their people on it Danny Hakim, Richard Fawcett, and Nick Carasinetti. Newly released videos show allies of former President Trump and contractors who were working on his behalf handling sensitive voting equipment in a rural Georgia County weeks after the 2020 election. In the New York Times, they do good work, but for some reason they decided to bury this story on page A17 in the hope that people would miss it story continues the footage, which was made public as part of long-running litigation over Georgia's voting system, raises new questions about efforts by Trump affiliates in a number of swing states to gain access to and copy sensitive election software with the help of friendly local election administrators. One such incident took place on January 7th of last year the day after supporters of Mr. Trump stormed the Capitol. When a small team traveled to Coffee County, Georgia, well, they may be small, but they have a good name. Coffee County, Georgia. The group included members of a firm called Sullivan Strickler, which had been hired by Sidney Powell. Oh boy, a lawyer advising Mr. Trump was also a conspiracy theorist. You know the thing. About conspiracy theorists is it probably it really is for most conspiracy theorists there probably is no expectation they can ever snap out of it. If you're a conspiracy theorist, you probably if you are now you probably always will be. You know, not that there's anything wrong with that. We are on our way to Coffee County to collect what we can from the election voting machines and systems, one of the company's executives wrote to Sidney Powell on that January morning. Weeks later, Scott Hall, an Atlanta-area Trump supporter and bail bondsman, it's good that he's a bail bondsman, uh, some people may need that, uh, who also traveled to Coffee County, said, we scanned every freaking ballot. I know, you're saying, did he really say we scanned every freaking ballot? Yes, according to a recorded phone conversation, he claimed that they scanned every freaking ballot, according to the Times. So anyway, obviously, if the New York Times thought it was a really important story, they wouldn't have buried it on page A17. But what can you expect from the liberal New York Times? They're apparently... Apparently, they're on the same side as others in the liberal media. Oh, breaking news now. Letitia James has a big announcement. Tish, as they call her in New York City. Upstate, we call the Attorney General Letitia James. Downstate, they refer to her as Tish. Sort of the same way they refer to Senator Schumer as Chuck. We affectionately call the Senate Majority Leader Charles to show respects, but downstate they call him Chuck. As they uh, also apparently are so fond of Attorney General James, downstate she's Tish. Tish. Let me see. She has a big announcement. In fact, she invited me. Hold on a sec. If you will. Hold on. Let me see because she sent me a note. Let me see. Really would be nice if I would do a little <coughs> little advance work on the program, right? Oh, her big announcement's coming up in 15 minutes. And thankfully, they sent me the satellite coordinates. It's on Galaxy 17, Transponder 10, Slot C. That's a very good slot. (laughs) Polarity vertical. So coming up at 1130, a major announcement. Major. As in very, very big. Gee, I hope it doesn't have anything to do with Donald Trump. (laughs) He said... Uh, Cautiously. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. Where are you calling from? What's your first name? Yeah, who who is this? Carol?
3: Yes, we bypassed. Oh, geez, I'm trying to turn my radio down.
0: Yeah, it's it's Carol in Johnson City. Quick, quick, turn down your radio. Carol in Johnson City is on the hotline. Everybody, please stand by. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton. Allow us 10 seconds for our affiliates across the country to join our conversation with Carol from Johnson City, beginning in three, two, one. Now, WNBF presents Carol in Johnson City. I'm Bob Joseph in Binghamton as we welcome Carol in Johnson City. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Seeing as how you're highlighting all these radio uh, traditions, uh, you know, of what you're saying, I was watching on WSKG last night, the uh, or maybe the night before, the Holocaust by Ken Burns. And I wanted to bring to your attention two radio uh, call letters that appeared probably when they were showing people talking about uh, the Nazis, and uh, and uh, the United States was not yet in WW2, and uh, the stations are, and this is very familiar. When I saw those letters, W-O-W-O.
0: and Yes, WoWo in Fort Wayne, Indiana.
3: That's what I thought. See,
0: is, uh, a I, a blowtorch, a blowtorch. Whoa, whoa! Radio, and I remember um, that. Yeah, I remember
3: them saying that <sighs> when I listened to the radio like a long time ago. Whoa, whoa! And the other one is, and I rem- well, I wrote them both down, but uh, when I looked at it, I thought it was saying YMCA, but it was WMCA.
0: New York City. No kidding. Metro Media. Metro Media in New York City. I think they were at 57, 570 WMCA. And uh, they used to be, I think, a news and talk station. Now it's um, the uh, current owners have turned it into a Christian radio format. But WMCA used to be uh, back, I think, in the 50s and 60s. They actually had... um, They called it a a Top 40 format. They were in big competition with the other big music radio station, WABC.
3: But I I have to be honest about this one thing. When you said Fort Wayne, Indiana, I, I said, oh, yeah. But I kept thinking, probably because of the W's, Wheeling, West Virginia.
0: And that one was WWVA, Wheeling, West Virginia, was WWVA, another clear channel powerhouse. That
3: is like truly a signal, uh, very appropriate letters, right?
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, oh yeah, from beautiful Wheeling, West Virginia, Uh, I used to listen to that, there were were a lot of other stations on AM in the um, late 60s and early 70s that would just boom in, especially in the winter.
3: Well, when I would stay at my grandmother's house uh, during the summers, uh, because all my cousins lived down that street, uh, when the radio stations signed off at midnight, do you remember that? Probably not. That was in the fifties. Like
0: no, they, they did four, some four, of five. some stations still signed off at midnight or one o'clock in the morning, even in the seventies.
3: But, but that is when I used to turn the radio back on. Well, change cha- channels, change stations, and that's when I would pick up these. Uh, far away stations, because there was no conflict, you know, from the Bingham sure. stations.
0: It sure, another time, another time for people who used to do that sort of thing, trying to listen to stations from far away, another good time to do it was Monday morning, because some stations that usually were on all the time, sometimes they would sign off early, Monday morning, so the engineers could work on the transmitter. So sometimes Monday morning frequencies that otherwise uh had a, a station broadcasting on them, sometimes they were clear and then so certain stations you would never hear. You could wind up hearing uh while uh, a station was shut down, say while they were doing some maintenance work on the transmitter. So that was it's another like three,
3: thing. Four, 5 in the morning, right? Yeah. Two, three, four,
0: four. Now, now in twenty twenty two they don't bother to do that. they just do work on the transmitter during the day interesting yeah I, yeah I'm i mean not... i I'm old enough to remember that most of the time when they did transmitter work, they would do it early in the morning when few people were listening. Now they do it in the day so they can see what they're doing
3: C- could i could I talk about when I saw you at the ball game
0: <laughs> sure
3: I, when you were panoramically videoing the uh well, not that videotaping, it was your phone videoing the uh, the entire ballpark there. You were going from left to right. No, you were going from right to left or left to right. I can't remember. When you were standing there over in the handicapped section on first base, remember when I yelled out to you?
0: I do. I do. I was...
3: Was that Sunday? That was Saturday. It was a night game.
0: Was it? I, was it I, night? I,
3: well, su- Sunday was day. That was the last one.
0: Right. Well, I was at both games, Saturday I and Sunday. I was at the
3: last three.
0: Okay. Yeah, I can't... For some reason, I think it was on Sunday when, when you saw me.
3: You're right. It was daylight. Duh. Mm.
0: <laughs> That's what I was thinking.
3: Yes, thank you. You you brought me to my senses.
0: <laughs> Wait, listen to this. You So this is what I was recording. I won't play the whole thing, but this is, just so you know, because I talked a bit about this with the owner... I must have
3: missed it. I was in yeah. transit for a few seconds when I was running from the house yeah. to the well, car. Well, you missed it. It was a
0: good good conversation was, yesterday morning. Love, David Sabatka. I love that guy. I yeah, love that guy. He's very accessible. You know, it's uh, it's always great to be able to uh, speak directly with the owner. So just listen a little bit to this. This is just a, a quick clip from what I was recording after the game ended Sunday afternoon. This gives you a flavor of what we posted. Sadly,
3: the last game. Eh,
0: Yeah, it is sad, but let's, here's just a a few seconds of what I recorded right after the final out Sunday afternoon. Rumble Pony season has come to an end on this Sunday afternoon. Fortunately, with a loss, to the Hartford Yard Goats, and you're hearing that song in the background. So long, farewell, and that was something that David Sabatka picked out to wrap up the season. I thought it was Oh, that's from
3: Sound of Music.
0: Yeah, wasn't that clever? Did you see his uh, doggy?
3: Are you kidding me? I, I was uh, before the season began. I was introduced to Marvin.
0: Well, see, I never saw Marvin. Until Sunday afternoon, and here's another thing. I'm I'm just trying to get people to to take a look at our clips on video. That's what this is about on uh, on Twitter at Binghamton Now. Just listen to this. If you want to see, I put on Twitter. I called him a very important pup. We've discovered a very special Rumble Ponies fan. Please introduce Marvin. Tell us about Marvin.
7: This is marvelous Marvin Pugler. He is two years old. He is named after one of my favorite boxers, Marvin Hagler.
0: So that was David Sabatka talking about uh, Marvelous Marvin. So I called him a very important pup. Should have been a very important pug. And yeah. uh, it, it was nice to, to see Marvin as, as David Sabatka took him throughout the, um, the stadium on Sunday afternoon. And the fans just adore him.
3: Yes uh, uh, yes, I bumped into him several times, you know, walking the dog along the
0: uh, the, uh yeah, think there. about this how many how many baseball team owners in America would actually be seen walking their dog around a stadium during a game that's that's one of the nice things about minor league baseball. Even in a town like Binghamton, the owner of the team, the Rumble Ponies owner, is out there uh, actually chatting with fans during the game, being accessible, and even allowing them to say hello to his beautiful puppy.
3: Well, David is, I just, he is so down to earth. It's just, I have to hug him every time I see him. I can't stand it. He is so lovable. He really is. It's probably, I get...
0: No, you know, ad nauseum. Is that the right expression? I just yeah. Made? Well, it's it's nice, as I say, from from the first moment that I called him after uh, last November. It was announced that he and his wife had had purchased the team from John Hughes. I just had a a, a very very positive feeling about uh, Mr. Sabatka, and it was just just glad that he he has become a friend of the program. Actually, he's a regular listener. He um, Oh, dear. Yeah. And so, he knows who this is. Oh, he does. <laughs> he, he listens to the program. You know, every once in a while, I run into someone who, oh, I listen to the program a lot, and then they don't say anything specific, and maybe they listen a lot, or maybe they never listen at all. But some people say they listen a lot, and then they make reference to something that happens, say, on Friday's program that makes it clear they actually do listen so and he's he's one of them because we've had some conversations about how the program goes he he actually really loves this program
3: well I always say well I had a doctor appointment uh, Monday or whatever I can't remember it it kills me when I miss uh, even though I get annoyed at times with you and with callers and 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 uh, I have to say me get annoyed with Bob oh no (laughs) But anyway, I had to say
0: that because you know I do. Well, of course you do, and and why wouldn't you? I mean, it's just my abrasive personality. It's a given. It's a, <laughs> I'm serious. At least I'm honest.
3: Well, you're not. You're. I think you're abrasive at appropriate times.
0: I try. I try to rein it in most of the time. But but again, it's one of the reasons about this program, the way it works, as it does work is just that every day is a little different. So sometimes the host comes across as abrasive and sometimes even viewed by some people as rude. And most of the time, though, the host is viewed as being very patient, kind, and understanding. Oh, I
3: I just thought of one, I have to say one more thing, Uh, and then I'll I'll let you go or you'll let me go. Uh, When Kathy this morning mentioned Matthew, Tiberius, Ryan, oh, my God. What a great middle name. And I and you know I don't have the internet, so I do believe Tiberius was one of the Caesars in the old days in Rome, right? Tiberius Caesar Tiberius
0: Well according according to the internet, as in Wikipedia. Because I don't have it. Tiberius Julius Caesar Augustus was the second Roman Emperor. By the way, that's not his middle name.
3: Well, why did she say that? I don't know. Really, I was like, "Wow, what parents to pick the name like that for their kid?" I thought. No, it was his, his
0: middle name is Thomas, I believe. Oh, that's
3: right. I remember you saying that right. several times. Okay, but why did? You, why on earth did you say Tiberius?
0: Perhaps I don't know.
3: Phone calls, perhaps.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. I told I told her that I said that after the newscast. I said, "By the way, that's not his middle name." <laughs> what did she say? Oh. oh. Oh, I cleaned it. I cleaned it up. She speaking said, "Oh." Of,
3: speaking of Kathy, I, I was at a village board, a JC Village Board meeting last night. Thank God we can go back to them. Uh, why does Kathy keep calling him Marty Meanie? Is the manager of your station a Meanie? M-E-A-N-E-Y?
0: Used to be, but now she's gone. Okay. Well. Barbara Meany. Barbara Meany was our manager, so it's easy. And and I think a couple of times I've slipped too, because I believe the spelling of their last names are the same. Where yeah. the mayor pronounces his name Meany, and right. our our former delightful manager, her name was pronounced Meany. But I believe the spellings are the same. So, um, you know, I I know on occasion I I had mispronounced the mayor's. Name too, but again, given the fact that our manager for I think almost eight years was Barbara Meany, so that that's an explanation of how that happens because
3: oh, I, I mentioned it to him uh, last year. Yeah, night, I'm, and, I, uh,
0: I'm sure, and I'm sure I'm sure he's aware of it too. So, but
3: I don't yeah. think he has an opportunity to listen, you know, all the time. But, well, but he, he, did say, he, doesn't, he did say she should know that. That's what I think well, he, he said, yeah, he
0: because she lives too. in Johnson City. Right.
3: His mother lives backyard to backyard almost with my daughter. Oh, really? And yeah, JC, uh, I see him out there mowing the lawn every mm-hmm. now and then. Well,
0: that reminds me, we have to, uh, we have to book him on the program because he ha- hasn't been on for several weeks, and there's always a lot going on in, in the village, so I'll, I'll get in touch with him in the next day or two, and we'll try to get him scheduled on the program to talk about some of the fantastic take- things going on in Johnson City.
3: I just thought of one, yeah, one fantastic thing, civil, sur- uh, civil service, public service announcement. They just made about five or six streets one way so that parking diagonally, and this was at the meeting last month.
0: Oh, I love that. They did um, yeah, Lewis Street. Street. Lewis Street.
3: Yes, no parking.
0: Because of Binghamton University. Lewis Street, Binghamton University, of course, has taken over the neighborhood. Exactly. Um, and, and so now... Uh, they turned that into a one-way street the uh, other ozolid they turned that into a one-way street I'm telling you I'm telling you those people they remember uh, previously they turned uh, a section was it of Corliss Avenue down near the hospital they turned that into one way I'm telling you from Arch to Baldwin yeah I mean is there no stopping these people
3: well I can give you a copy of the uh, two pages of uh, the one-way
0: street. I don't need a copy. I oh just asked it's the simple question, Carol, from Johnson City. Can they not be stopped? <laughs> you laugh. I'm serious. They have taken what was once a, a village with proper two-way streets and now turned it into their own mini Manhattan.
3: Well, ba- basically for the diagonal parking.
0: Yeah, I know what they I know why they do it. It doesn't make it right. Oh well. Oh well, that's right. I'm right. I, I hope the people of Johnson City are happy now.
3: Well they were very prompt and efficient about putting up the signs. Well of course media. they are
0: because they're <laughs> because when when the university says jump, the village says how high. You're right. Am I right? Uh, yeah, well, they.
3: Maybe they don't have a
0: choice. You know, they don't right, have a they choice.
3: But they do mull it over for a little bit.
0: Oh, come on, man! <laughs> mull it over. Oh, that's for appearances. Okay, I, I think we've taken up. Yeah, I've I think up... I, I, oh, I think gosh. we've addressed the issues. Thank you. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. Mull it over. Well, we'll consider that and debate whether we should turn all of the village of Johnson City into a series of one-way streets so it looks like Manhattan or Ithaca. It's 1132. WNBF Bob Joseph on your side because, after all, folks, you need someone on your side on WNBF and WNBF.com. 35 back to the phones we go with Joan in Binghamton good morning
5: good morning well my theory is that the open borders with so many 2 million plus people coming in at least so far this year i guess is going to be the starting point for many problems in the united states you've got um, of course fentanyl coming in and which it's easy to get in now drugs are so easy everybody that goes through the cartels you know becomes a mule and you can put enough fentanyl to kill a thousand people they say under a postage stamp so i mean it's so much you know if you're carrying marijuana or whatever you know you're going to have a much bigger footprint and since you have so many people it's so easy to get it in i mean just you have hundreds of thousands of people crossing the border You just can bring in so much fentanyl. It'd probably kill the whole United States. Might be enough fentanyl here to do that.
0: Well, Maybe that's what Putin wants.
5: Putin? Uh, China. China's where the fentanyl is.
0: Both. Both. Putin and uh, China. China and and Russia could be actually collaborating on this because they don't like us.
5: Plus they have 800 what they call gotaways that go on top of that 2 million. And you got 187 so far unaccompanied children. You got these cities on the border. They have to have mobile freezer units now because of all the dead bodies. All their morgues are full. They're starting to find mass graves along the way where these people are coming from. They've got what picked up 75 people. Well, this was months and months ago on the terrorist watch list. And I guess over. Uh, Thousand that they suspect that have gone through that have something to do with terrorism. So all this is just planting little (coughs) seeds for us in the future.
0: Well, it'll be uh, different. It'll be totally different starting January 1st, 2025, when the new guy takes over.
5: Yeah, but until then...
0: Well, until then, you know, we we do our best. We uh, roll out the red carpets. We... Offer uh, food, health care, and uh, certainly educational opportunities for those who uh, require them. And then we uh, say, welcome to America, the best country.
5: Biden got interviewed on 60 Minutes. Did you see? I think that was on 60 Minutes. Was the Yeah, one on...
0: the, uh, Scott Pelley. Scott Pelley, a hard-hitting, hard-hitting grilling.
5: These people are coming from Guatemala and Venezuela. He says, well... We can't send them back. We're going to have to, do you hear what he said? He said, we're going to have to talk to Mexico. Just like uh, Trump, we're going to have to talk to Mexico.
0: Well, what's wrong with that?
5: That almost made me fall over. He's going to put in, he's going to have to, so the election doesn't go so bad.
0: No, why shouldn't he talk with Mexico? Mexico is our neighbor. Mexico wants to help us.
5: No, they didn't. You knew when Trump did it. He asked them to help, and they said, uh, nah, it doesn't sound like a good idea to us. And then Trump said, well, nothing's coming in from Mexico. We're not importing any of your goods, nothing.
0: Well, probably uh, a key issue there was he was being too belligerent. So I think Joe Biden might take a different approach. I hope. I hope it works. It's 1139, a uh, big Big, big time announcement from New York State Attorney General Letitia James. Let's go live to the Attorney General Letitia James as she makes a major announcement live on WNBF.
8: Three-year investigation by my office, including witnesses, interviews with more than 65 witnesses, and review of millions of documents that were submitted by Mr. Trump and others. I am announcing that today... We are filing a lawsuit against Donald Trump for violating the law as part of his efforts to generate profits for himself, his family and his company. The complaint demonstrates that Donald Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself and to cheat this system, thereby cheating all of us. He did this with the help of the other defendants, his children, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump, and former Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg and Trump Organization Controller Jeffrey Makani. Mr. Trump and the Trump Organization repeatedly and persistently manipulated the value of assets to induce banks to lend money to the Trump Organization on more favorable terms than would otherwise have been available to the company. To pay lower taxes, to satisfy continuing loan agreements, and to induce insurance companies to provide insurance coverage for higher limits and at lower premiums. This conduct was all in violation of Executive Law, Section 6312 which gives the Attorney General broad and special powers to go after persistent and repeated fraud and illegality. As part of demonstrating illegality under that section of Law 6312, we show that they violated several state criminal laws, including falsifying business records, issuing false financial statements, insurance fraud, and engaging in a conspiracy to commit each of these state law violations. We believe the conduct alleged in this action also violates federal criminal law, including issuing false statements to financial institutions and bank fraud. And we are referring those criminal violations that we've uncovered to the United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York and the Internal Revenue Service. As a result of these violations, we are asking the court to, among other things, permanently bar Mr. Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, Eric Trump, from serving as an officer or director in any corporation or similar, similar entity registered and or licensed in New York. To bar Mr. Trump and the Trump Organization from entering into any New York State commercial real estate acquisition or from applying for loans from any financial institution in New York for five years. To pay for the financial benefits obtained as a result of the persistent fraudulent practices at an estimated $250 million. And towards the end of my remarks, I will go into the other relief that we are seeking. At the center of, this, of the year-long financial scheme were the statements of financial condition that were prepared annually by and for Mr. Trump, specifically from 2011 to 2021 these statements were compiled by the trump organization executives and were issued as a compilation report by mr trump's accounting firm the statements are explicit that the preparation was the responsibility of mr trump or starting in 2016 the trustees of his trust donald trump jr and alan weisselberg for the sole beneficiary for the sole benefit of mr donald trump each statement was personally certified as accurate by Mr. Trump or by one of his trustees as part of the loan process with the intent that the information in the statement would be relied upon by banks and insurers. Mr. Trump and Mr. Weisselberg would meet to review and approve the final statement every year. Mr. Trump made known through Alan Weisselberg that he wanted his net worth reflected on the statements to increase. A desire Mr. Weisselberg and others carried out year after year in their fraudulent preparation of the statements. And when asked about these meetings under oath as part of our deposition, both men, Mr. Trump and Mr. Weisselberg, invoked their Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination, and they refused to answer. When asked under oath if he, Mr. Trump, continued to review and approve the statements after becoming President of the United States in 2017, Mr. Trump, again, invoked his Fifth Amendment privilege and refused to answer. Over the course of our investigation, We found that Mr. Trump, his children, the Trump Organization created and used more than 200 false and misleading asset valuations on his statement of financial condition over that 10 year period. They issued statements that were in clear violation of general accepted principles in the general accounting principles in the United States, despite representing that these statements were prepared in accordance with these principles. Some of the common tactics they used include representing that Mr. Trump had cash on hand that he did not have. Ignoring critical restrictions that would significantly impact property values when setting valuations. Changing the methodology used to value properties from year to year, without reason or notice. And using vastly different methods to value different properties, even. In the same year and including tangible items such as brand premiums the Trump premium when calculating an assets value despite the fact that they ignored the advice of outside professionals they also ignored the advice and uh, and repraisals of outside professionals despite claiming those individuals provided certain figures for example They received a series of bank ordered appraisals for the commercial property at 40 Wall Street in New York City that calculated the value of the property at $200 million as of August 2010 and $220 million as of November 2012. Yet, in his 2011 statement, Mr. Trump listed 40 Wall Street with a value of $524 million, which increased to $530 million over the next two years. More than twice the value calculated by the professionals. Even more egregious, the $500 million plus valuation was attributed to information from the appraiser who valued the building at just over $200 million. Another deceptive strategy they employed was to use objectively false numbers to calculate property values. Take Mr. Trump's triplex, you know, the triplex apartment in Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue. Mr. Trump represented that his apartment spanned more than 30,000 square feet, which was the basis for valuing the apartment. In reality, The apartment had an area of less than 11,000 square feet, something that Mr. Trump was well aware of. And based on that inflated square footage, the value of the apartment in 2015 and 2016 was $327 million. To this date, no apartment in New York City has ever sold for close to that amount. Tripling the size of the apartment for purposes of the valuation was intentional and deliberate fraud, not an honest mistake. Mr. Trump was intimately familiar with the layout of both the building and the apartment, having personally overseen the construction of both. Despite his sworn testimony before invoking his Fifth Amendment privilege, Mr. Weisselberg conceded that using the false square footage improperly inflated the value of the apartment almost threefold. Mr. Weisselberg admitted that this amounted to an overstatement of, give or take, $200 million. Misrepresenting the size of the apartment was only one of the many ways that Mr. Trump intentionally misvalued his asset for the purposes of increasing his net worth and inducing banks to offer more favorable terms. Mr. Trump also routinely ignored legal restrictions on development rights and marketability on properties that would significantly decrease property values. For example, let's take Trump Park Avenue in New York. This building contains both commercial and residential space. The unsold residential condo units, owned by Mr. Trump and the Trump Organization, represented the lion's share of the reported value for this property.
0: Listening live to New York Attorney General Letitia James announcing that she is suing former President Donald Trump and his company, alleging business fraud involving some of their most prized assets, including properties in Manhattan, Chicago, and Washington, D.C. Stay tuned to News Radio 1290, WNBF, for further coverage of this developing story. I'm Bob Joseph. I'll be back tomorrow morning here. On WNBF and WNBF.com. Looking for WNBF. Okay. WNBF. I'll second.
5: Mm -hmm. WNBF.
1: Finding great.